Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hey, welcome back. This is uh, part two, step two, I should say, I guess, to removing walls. Um, And step one was forgiveness. And we talked about how forgiveness alone doesn't equal reconciliation, but uh, forgiveness plus what we're talking about here, which is repentance, does equal reconciliation. So I, I left off last time talking about the, the benefits of repentance, and we talked about the example of breaking up your fallow ground, which is an agricultural example. It's a really good illustration God used in the Bible to help us understand um, you know, what we're doing when we repent. Anyway, um, so I want to continue talking just a, a little bit here about the benefits of repentance. And another benefit of repentance is found in 1 Timothy 1.19, and I'm going to read that to you. It says, Having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. You know, it's important to have a good conscience. Last time I was talking about some of the benefits of repentance uh, was it, it makes you more sensitive in that you hear from God better. You know, when you hear from God better, it's just going to help your faith to work better. But if, if we reject repentance, it's going to shipwreck our conscience. It's going to give us a bad conscience. And according to First Timothy one nineteen, it'll actually shipwreck your faith. So let me read that again and kind of you know, reemphasize my point. It says, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, has suffered shipwreck. You know, when you've repented, it helps you get past those past failures and do the right thing in the future. You know, when you have a good conscience, it makes you less likely to say, well, you know, I might as well do this too, whatever it might be. An example to me of this would be if you're on a diet. I don't know if you've ever been on a diet before, but if you're on a diet, you you could be doing good and you get to work and man, somebody, somebody brings donuts to work. So doggone, you have a donut and you think, well, you know, I've done, I had a donut today. So I might as well just, you know, eat two cheeseburgers for lunch and, and whatever it is, you know, it just, when you make a mistake like that, it just kind of muddles things. You're just likely to do other stuff that maybe you shouldn't do as well. I know Rebecca and I, early on in our marriage, when we were in dire straits, we had a bad marriage. Uh, we would get into arguments and I would think, well, I could do this or I could do this. And no matter what I do, she's going to be mad. So I might as well do what I want to do. It's kind of like that. You know, if you repent, you don't want to just do whatever you want to do. You want to do the right thing just because your, your conscience, that's what you want to do. That's just where it's at. I think you understand what I'm saying there. So another benefit of repentance is that, you know, a, a bad conscience, it won't let your mind rest. I know I used to be a horrible insomniac and my, I'd go to bed, my mind would just spin with all this stuff and I'd just be awake all night sometimes. And, but Hebrews 10 22 says this, let us draw near, talking about drawing near to God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, remember, 
we talked about this in the last podcast, how repentance results in purity of heart. And it says, having your bodies washed with pure water. It says here, having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. The way you get a new heart, we read this from Ezekiel last time, Ezekiel 18. The way you get a new heart is through repentance. So the way we get this evil conscience off of us is through repentance. So it just brings peace of mind, repentance does, okay? You know, the book of Acts talks about how time of, times of refreshing come when we repent. Man, that's what we want. So um, your mind will be able to rest. You'll, you'll just have more peace in your life, more peace in your marriage. And another benefit of repentance is found in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. It says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Now, I don't know about you, but I need mercy in my marriage relationship. So I think uh, all of us probably have been in that boat at some time in our life, in our marriage. We want mercy. We need mercy. And repentance helps you to receive that. So let's move on here. Breaking up your fallow ground, repentance, it means facing those past offenses and confessing them and receiving forgiveness. And I talked about this before. It's not easy, but it is necessary. And true repentance means you see your sin, you see your offense, your mistake, your shortcoming, whatever that is, and you hate it, so to speak, and you forsake it. You know, really just being sorry is not enough. We need to actually have a change of behavior that results from a change of heart. I'm not just talking about behavior modification you know as we covered last time this will actually bring about a change of heart and that's really what what you're after behavior modification is good but the best thing is to change your heart which then your 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 behavior will just change permanently when you do that um so we want to turn from those offenses those things and just do what's right now second corinthians seven ten is another scripture I want to uh, read to you, and it contrasts two kinds of sorrow. Now listen to this, 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Godly sorrow, seeing what you've done and hating that and really regretting it, that kind of sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. That's good in marriage. And it goes on and says, Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death world is contrasting two types of sorrow godly sorrow and worldly sorrow godly sorrow is you're actually sorry for what you did and, and you change you repent and change because of it worldly sorrow is you're sorry you got caught and you're apologizing just trying to not have consequences right now for what you've done um, so that's you know, we want to have godly sorrow and not worldly sorrow okay really godly sorrow is is other centered it's based on love for the other person caring more for the other person than for yourself and worldly sorrow is just it's a self-centered thing okay so self-centeredness is that's the problem in relationships love is the answer and you see it even in repentance and forgiveness it's still at work here and true repentance is accompanied by fruit if you repent of sins against your spouse the fruit is going to be a better marriage, okay? So I want to read to you uh, Matthew 3.8 from the Amplified. And actually, this will be from the Amplified Classic Bible. And it says this, Bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. 
Let your lives prove your change of heart. Now, look at that. This is uh, John the Baptist talking. He says, bring forth fruit that's consistent with repentance. So we've been talking about this over these two sessions. Repentance is going to result in, in fruit, good fruit. Okay. Then he says, let your lives prove your change of heart. The, the change of heart that comes from repentance is going to change your life. It's going to change your marriage. That's what we want. That's an awesome thing. Okay. Now, um, again, yeah, this, it's difficult, but not doing it is like forsaking that good fruit, forsaking a better marriage and you want the better marriage. So some signs of false repentance. Okay. And really, this is found in the story of the prodigal son. You could pick this out of there, which is the prodigal son is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And, um, you know, the prodigal son, he, he wanted his share of the inheritance from his father, which is usually something you received when your father died. So when you asked for your inheritance, basically what you were saying, at least at that time, was, Father, I wish you were dead because I want my share of the inheritance. So his father gives him his share of the inheritance, and the prodigal son goes off and goes to a far country and blows all the money. And um, he says, you know what? Even the, he, he came to himself eventually. He says, you know what? The servants in my father's house, um, they uh, live better than I do. So I'm going to go back and repent to my father, basically, and ask him if he would make me like a servant. And uh, so anyway... From that, though, you can draw some signs of false repentance. You know, one thing he didn't do is demand forgiveness. Okay. Somebody who demands forgiveness, that's generally a sign of false repentance. If I say, you have to forgive me, that's, that's false repentance. You know, I'm, I'm in it for me at that point. I'm not sorry for what I'm done. I'm trying to lean on you to forgive me. And another thing, there's really two signs of false repentance. One's demanding forgiveness. And the other is demanding restoration of trust. You know, the prodigal son didn't do either one of those things. He just asked to be made like a servant in his father's house because he knew he would live better then. But his father forgave him. He put a robe on his finger, robe on his back and a ring on his finger, etc. Killed the fatted calf. He forgave him and welcomed him back into the family and restored full rights to him. And um, so anyway, just a couple of signs again of, of false repentance. And these are things to watch out for is demanding forgiveness and demanding respiration, restoration, respiration, demanding restoration of trust. So let's talk just a minute about how to break up your fallow ground, how to repent, okay? And again, this is an exercise that Rebecca and I actually take couples through. Um, and typically, even if a couple has a, a rocky marriage, after this fourth counseling session, this is when you'll see breakthrough for them. So what we'll tell people to do is, is get a pencil and paper, or maybe they can do it on a device or whatever on a, their iPad or something, and just ask God to show you offenses that you've committed against your spouse that are affecting your marriage, um, and, and write those down. You know, we talked about last time being contrite, you know, admit to them, own up to what you've done wrong, and write down what God reveals to you. You know, be thorough. thorough. It's necessary uh, to make sure that you get everything cleaned up, that you get your conscience cleaned up, that you, you know, renew your heart in this way. And uh, write specifically what the offenses were. I don't recommend being general. And then confess those things to God and ask for him to forgive you. Okay, that's an important part of this as well as having forgiveness from God. And then choose a time that's good for you and your spouse and confess these offenses to your spouse that you committed against them and ask for them to forgive you. Now, what we will do when we do, when we assign this homework to a couple is both of them are going to do this. Both of them separately are going to 
pray and ask God to show them uh, any offenses they've committed against their spouse that they haven't repented of. Then they're going to come together, and one is going to lead in, in asking for repentance, and the other one will do it afterward, and they're both going to forgive each other. And we tell them, so, you know, when you're doing this, don't beat around the bush. Don't make excuses. Don't try to share the blame. Say, well, you know, you did this, and that's why this happened, but I'm sorry. And, and don't say things like, if I offended you. You know, you know if you offended them or not. Just Just own it. Be contrite, be humble, and ask them to forgive you, you know, accept responsibility. And then identify the specific offense and ask for forgiveness. You know, be brief. You don't have to be long and drawn out. The fewer words you use, often the better, okay? And to the spouse, the person you're repenting to, we tell them this. Remember that you aren't perfect and you want your marriage to work. So be ready to forgive. Remember, we talked about forgiveness before, and you were supposed to pray, and anything your spouse offended you in, you'd forgiven them, okay? So you should have already forgiven that person. You should have already made this big decision we talked about then that you're going to forgive. You know, that was in the last session on forgiveness. So when your spouse repents, you forgive them. You know, don't argue. Don't say, well, what about this thing you did? You know, you should have forgiven that back in the last uh, session. And love keeps no record of wrongs. We talked about that. So it should no longer be on your radar. Okay. You've already forgiven. This is something you're doing for your spouse to help them um, get their heart right toward you. And you want this to work, right? So again, pick a good time for both of you. You know, the location and the time ought to be conducive. Now, we've actually worked with people before who said, well, I've never done anything to offend my spouse. I've never done anything wrong. That's pretty incredible for somebody to say that. But because of that, we put together a list of possible offenses they may have committed against their spouse. So here you go. I'm going to read this list to you. How about putting things or people, you know, other than God above your spouse? How about materialism, you know, valuing things over them? Again, it's similar to the first one, but a little different. How about talking about your spouse behind their back? Maybe it got back to them and hurt them or whatever. Lying to your spouse. A lack of respect for your spouse, making them the brunt of the joke. And I think it's okay to tease and play around. What I'm talking about here is those times when people will cut their spouse down in front of other people to try to make them look lower you know, that kind of thing, trying to make themselves look better in some way. I don't like that kind of stuff. I think it's it's not good. Uh, hypocrisy, you know, asking for worldly sorrow, you could say, asking for forgiveness of offenses that you intend to repeat, okay? you Not genuine repentance there. Anger toward your spouse, especially anger. You know, people get angry, but anger that got out of control when you flew off the handle, so to speak. Criticism, okay? Complaining and fault-finding, Impurity of actions or thoughts, you know, broken promises, half-heartedness, laziness, ingratitude, you know, not appreciating your spouse's efforts and contributions, or maybe even just unforgiveness. Those are all things that we may have done that could have uh, offended our spouse we may need to repent of today. So that's it for this session. That actually ends this session on breaking up your fallow ground repentance. I encourage you, take what we're talking about and do these things in your life. If you and your spouse will do them together, that would be great. If not, you're the one listening. If you will do it, it will do a lot to help your marriage just if you're the one who does it, okay? So thank you again for listening, and uh, next time we'll be back with another podcast of Marriage by the Book. Have a great day. 
We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.